in the past three days, including today, you've seen me eat the three core meats. Oh my god, I have. Because <laughs> there was bacon and chicken on the pizza, and we got beef twice. Oh, we totally did. We did get beef twice. We got beef twice. Yeah. Well, I got beef twice. Core meats. Um, I'm a big fan of beef. I've heard some people aren't. All right. I am a huge fan of beef. Yeah. Aren't we supposed to be doing a movie podcast? Yeah. Hi, I'm John. I'm Bethany. And this is Home Viewing, a podcast where we watch all of our movie library in alphabetical order. We have a guest today. Hi. This is Gabe. He's a friend of ours. He's uh, working with us on another project that uh, is not ready to be unveiled yet, but that... It'll, it'll happen soon, because I'm already editing it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what did we watch today? Bell-bottoms. 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 We watched Baby Driver, 2017 film from Edgar Wright, starring Ansel Elgort, Asa Gonzalez, Jamie Foxx, John Hamm. Kevin Spacey. We don't talk about him. (laughs) (laughs) But he is there. I think that, I can't think of many other movies I've seen with him in them. So like, you know, I was kind of, I didn't know anything about him before. There are a lot of movies that he's in, though. He's been around like... Yeah, for a while. I probably just don't remember. I mean, I feel like the first time I remember, first Kevin Spacey role I remember is actually he, uh, him as Hopper in A Bug's Life. Holy shit. I haven't thought about A Bug's Life in... You should think about A Bug's Life. You should be thinking about A Bug's Life constantly. It's, man. It's excellent. I didn't know it was him, though. I didn't know it was him, but I think it's the first Kevin Spacey role that I saw, what, like, as a person, as a human... And that's about as much as I feel like we should acknowledge that dude. I feel like that was it. He had a good performance in this movie. Next. Yeah, he did. <laughs> uh, you know, um, next is right. Um, I mean, I think to some extent everybody did, although the, honestly I got the strongest impression of just like the the, the structure of it more than, and like more than the specific actors. Like obviously everyone did well. It's, it's very much like a director's, editor's, and writer's film, I think. Like, yeah, I was getting that feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know Edgar Wright wrote and directed, and, like he's apparently had this playlist going for like years and years. To to borrow terminology from another podcast, this was kind of like his blank check movie in that this is like his passion project that he really wanted to make after making like a bunch of successful films. I mean, he made the whole Cornetto trilogy, which is the uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost movies. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, Shaun of the Dead, um, Hot Fuzz, World's End, all great movies in my opinion. Scott Pilgrim. Which is one of those movies that I feel like there are two kinds of people who like it. There's the people who like get it, it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, who like right it for reasons. the wrong reasons and for the right reasons. Exactly. I think I, when I saw Scott Pilgrim when it first came out, which uh, was, you know, quite, at this point, like six or seven years ago, I think. Yeah, I think it came out while I was still in high school. It came out when I was in high school for sure, if not in middle school. Did you, when did you see Scott, Scott Pilgrim first, babe? Yeah, like end of high school. College, maybe? You know what? So it came out the summer before I was in... I think the summer before I started high school. You know what? I I actually can Google things easily. So yeah, I was probably done but, with it. But that, that, I don't know if I liked that movie for the right reasons when it came out. But I do now, I feel like, in <laughs> retrospect. I So I don't think... I think for me the big deal was how stylistic it was at the time. And like, I think... Yeah. And 
Chris Evans in that movie is excellent. Oh yeah, wow, that is him. I haven't even thought about. It. There are so many people that were in that. that oh yeah, well, no, what's cool about that stuff. too is the guy who played like the vegan boyfriend with the superpowers. Yeah, he was the one who had played Superman in uh, Superman Returns, which was the uh, last like Superman movie before Man of Steel and all that. Just kind of you know took a shit all over the character. <laughs> I feel like. I feel like maybe that's the same way with, with Baby Driver. I feel like, you know, I don't know how old Ansel Elgort is, but I feel like this must be the be- relative beginning of his career. The beginning of his career he's was... He's, like, uh, my age. He's, yeah, how old is... Ansel Elgort is, like, a year he younger He was in the John Green movie. Yeah, The Fault in Our Stars oh, would that arguably be... I, I guess that would be The his, true like, beginning of his career. Of. Considering how much he's, I heard people fucking love Baby Driver, and, I and you know, we'll come around to my opinion, because I definitely liked it, but, you know... Uh, you know, this will he'll take off after this and after being in a fucking John Green book movie because people I mean, eat he that was, shit up. He was also in um, the Divergent and Insurgent movie, so he's been like all oh over God. the. Uh, I have not even looked at that. No yet. desire. Don't, don't notice. I mean, I like Shailene Woodley. I like Ansel Elgort. I don't want to see those movies. Those reek of jumping on the whole kids love the dystopian shit now, and I don't know if they're so, you know sometimes they. Good stuff comes out of those, but it's. Not, I feel like maybe I've aged out of that trend. Yeah. I think you and I both agree on what the best Shailen Woodley performance is. I can only think Big of Big Little Lies. Big Little Lies. <laughs> Have yes. you seen Big Little Lies? No. That's, is... So that's the fun thing, and I'll say I'll I'll go on record as saying this. I'm not a giant movie person. I definitely I. It is a known thing among most of my friends that I watch maybe five to six movies per year. So. They're lucky to get me for one. I'll tell you that the last few movies I've watched have been very, very good. And now I, I, now I have more of a drive to watch movies in the future. Um, <laughs> this, this one in particular... Um, a drive? I was, oh, shit. That was seriously <laughs> not intended. Not planned. Um, I will say this. Uh, this was not the sort of movie that I would normally go out of my way to watch. And I definitely did enjoy it. Well, in that it's like... I, I didn't know what kind of movie it was, but I generally have like weaknesses for certain types of, of film and, and narrative what? in general. So, so you're like, saying what? you got to walk into this not knowing I like, anything about had it. You, had you like even seen a trailer? I Was like all you knew about it was that it was filmed in Atlanta? Okay, so I knew it was filmed in Atlanta. I didn't even know if it was actually con- like in canon set in Atlanta, but uh, you know that came out pretty quick. Yeah. Um, I knew... I pretty much knew that the title came from the fact that it was a dude who's like a getaway driver. That mm-hmm. was what I knew. I think that at some point... One of my roommates had told me after really enjoying the movie that a little bit about it and said, oh, uh, he's like paying back for some crime or whatever. I'm assuming that the nature of this podcast is 100% spoiler mode. Yeah, 100%. In, okay. So, yeah. Um, and, by the way, so I, this wasn't made clear to me. Um, was he so, – so the, so the whole thing was he had at some point stolen a car. It happened to be the crime syndicate's car. So they're yeah. like – Oh, instead, like, you'll pay us back by working for us. Exactly. Okay. And, like, we'll give you a... Sh- you'll, we'll take the majority of your share, but you get a little bit to keep and live off of. Right. The Did he... Was he supposed to have known Deborah before the beginning of the movie? No. No. Okay. He, um, Deborah started working at the diner that his dead mother used to work at. Yeah. Which that is, much uh, they uh, made it clear. How about, how about uh, that wonderful... Points for wonderful anti-feminist tropes right there, huh? And, and it's a little, that's a little Freudian as well, I think, in a way that I'm not... Oh, absolutely. But, well, I mean, they, they, they literally do drop it at one point. The other waitress at the diner says, yeah, I think his mom used to work here. He's been coming here since before me. Yeah. So, uh, the, 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 and I, so then I'll start off with, like, that was the one thing, right? I, I guess it's supposed to be that the movie is a little bit of, like, a fantasy, but the idea that, like, he just meets this waitress and convinces her to run off... I, 
felt like when the rest of it wasn't really as much of a fantasy, by contrast, that that was weird to me. To which I argue, this movie was never not a fantasy. Yeah, from it's the, a fantasy. Yeah, from, uh, like, you don't really notice it fully, but like, on further watches, and this is probably like my fourth or fifth time watching this movie, you notice like, from the very beginning, things are on rhythm. They're more subtle, but they... Oh no! Get I, less I as they get. especially every. I think maybe every gunshot in the entire movie almost is to the rhythm of the yeah. song. Yeah, watching played. it in the theater, we only really realized it at um at tequila. Tequila, mm-hmm. and this time, literally the whole. Oh movie no! It's there. The, I, the whole God, whole time. like like when they're when they're doing the John Spencer blue when they're playing bell bottoms, they he shoots the shotgun inside yeah. the building, and it's mm-hmm. muffled, but it's on beat. And I will say once I came into leaned into the fact that it is a fantasy, and I. It is not fantasy, it is a fantasy, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, then I, I enjoyed that stuff a little more, knowing that it was it's just like a movie about just like that kind of shit happened. I don't I'm trying I'm trying to put it together. It's well it's escapist in a way. Yeah. I mean almost literally, right? Like Anyway, we're we're doing the Edgar Wright thing and we're just like two men talking on and on and on when like no women are talking. What do you think uh, about this movie, Beb? I mean, same. Same? <laughs> I was what what I what, so I looked up some more Edgar Wright movies and I officially changed my stance on my favorite movie of 2017. What's your favorite movie of 2017? Tour de Pharmacy. You you haven't even seen Tour de Pharmacy. Yeah, we watched it on HBO. You we watched it on it. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god! I forgot about Tour de Pharmacy. <laughs> I don't even know what that is to the point where I took it's... that as like. Tor- a, a portmanteau of tortoise and pharmacy, and I was trying to imagine the, this animated no, was, movie uh, where. Oh my god! Uh, Save that. Gonna, we might be able to work with that. We're gonna watch this after the podcast is done because no, only, we're not. It's only like forty minutes long. If if anyway, you're willing to stay anyway. late, I, I might. I don't know. We'll figure yeah. it out because it's Dave has a life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like nine thirty, but we're, we're, it's nine thirty the day before Independence Day. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm actually surprised. I'm as pumped up as I am right now because we're recording this. Right after Colombia lost to England. Well, you needed something to... You you said, look, you said it's an escapist movie. It is an escapist movie. I'm escaping from... From the corner that should have been given. Yes. This this was thoroughly gone over. I'm sure, Bethany, I'm sure you saw 100% of the soccer experience. Um, I was rudely woken up from my nap to John barging in, turning it on the TV. I didn't even say hello because she was sleeping. Did not say anything. She was sleeping. I switched. I switched. Oh uh, yeah, that's why the... he didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. You were sleeping. I didn't want to disturb you. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Uh, so so I'm gonna be up and down in this podcast. My mood is all over the place. Yeah. Um. Okay. So what we typically talk about. Yeah, I was going to say, do y'all have a normal structure to... What worked and what didn't work? What worked for you and what didn't work? And uh, you, you want to tell me? Uh, I, I'm going to tell you, like, the gimmick of this movie deeply worked for me. The gimmick being shit being on beat? <laughs> yeah, the gimmick being that this is like, if we were living... This is like, it's like a jukebox musical, but it's without like the he, singing. It's like he is living in the movie on purpose. Yes, absolutely. That worked. Oh, God, I loved it. Something that I liked a lot is that Edgar and Edgar Wright has said that like he's been compiling this playlist. This has like been like his fantasy movie playlist since he was like a teenager. But something that I liked a lot is a lot of the songs he picked were songs that were made famous by sampling later on. For example, um, for example, I thought it was the next episode. I thought yeah, you thought it was the next episode. Song. I really liked that song, like in a completely unironic, not because of the smoke weed every day thing. Yeah. <laughs> 
everyone just knows it for the smoke man, weed every day. I I pro- you know how people <laughs> promise that they've seen the DVD logo hit the corner before. I promise that I nailed the timing on the smoke weed every day once, but no one's ever gonna believe me on that. Shit. <laughs> he also has the song that uh, was sampled for Jump Around. The song that uh, he has the uh, there's the uh, Grandmaster Flash. Uh, incredible bongo band remix of Apache when he's delivering the pizzas. Also, shout out to Goodfellas Pizza. Okay, this was gonna come up, and it's gonna come up now. Yes. The 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 fact. First of all, yeah, all the locations being real. I don't know if you've mentioned in this podcast that you live in Atlanta, but yeah, be, yeah see, we have. Recognizing everything is really excellent. Goodfellas is a real place. I have only eaten at Goodfellas two or three times. The first time was because John wanted to, like two or three years ago. It was like a drunk food order. Oh, and absolutely. it was so good. They have this perfect cheese blend on their calzones. It's, it drove it's me just, really nuts. Oh I don't know what God. it is. I don't know enough about cheese. I to also like, people just go there. Like, everyone yeah. in Atlanta goes there. Like, a friend saw Waka Flocka Flame there one time at like <laughs> two in the morning. Yeah, legit. Oh, God. Why well, would you get hungry? Brick Squad. Yeah. <laughs> Bethany, what is what is L? Sorry, what is the fucking the one that I thought was about tortoises? A tour de pharmacy. Tour de pharmacy. <laughs> it's a. It's I imagine H- that as one long word. Like, it's a tour. Tour. De- like, uh, yeah, no, I like figured it out. Now. So it's yeah. it's 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 a uh, it's an HBO sports par- sports documentary parody starring, uh, if I remember correctly, Andy Samberg. Um, oh my god, David Diggs. That's amazing. What? John Andy, Andy Samberg and David Diggs. I'm not done. Okay. John Cena. <laughs> oh, good lord. <laughs> uh, there are a couple others in there. Let's see. I And it's it's like told in the style of like a flashback. So like Jean-Claude Van Damme, Danny Glover, they're, they're doing like the talking heads. It's, okay. And it's basically about a tour de France where literally all of... Yeah, Orlando Bloom was in it too. Oh yeah, yeah Orlando Bloom. And Orlando Bloom. Yes. Okay. And all the front runners were all on drugs. Like lots and lots of drugs. Uh, oh, because it's like... It's like the, Making fun of the doping thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is excellent. Yeah. At one point, David Diggs' character like leaves the um, Tour de France to start a uh, an idyllic pastoral life, and then he comes back and wins the Tour de France. <laughs> it's that kind of shit. Okay. Yeah. It's very stupid. Very good. I'm getting it's a sense of what Edgar Wright's all about. I, did he do? Did he, he didn't direct it? Did he? She said that she mentioned because she found from Google. Did you pay game. attention to me? Maybe. <laughs> He, she she was like, "What other Edgar Wright shit?" I'm look it up, and then oh, oh man, and the narrator's John Hamm. That makes sense. James Smith. I don't jo- know why he it showed up. John Hamm. When I typed in Edgar Wright, maybe he maybe he was one of the Talking Heads. I don't know. Because like they had so many fucking celebrities for the if Talking someone heads. knows Adam. Oh, Freddie Highmore's in it too. Yeah. Nathan Fielder, James Marsden, Maya Rudolph. Okay, but, here's another what worked for me, and y'all can tell me if you agree. The number of times that that like a line was blatantly relevant to what was currently happening or came back later. Uh-huh. The first few times I was like, Y'all ain't slick. I know this is like some symbolism shit you're trying to do. Yeah. But then I realized like, no, it's not supposed to be subtle, dude. It's it's all supposed yeah. to be yeah. that, that he's this like is living this fantasy. Possibly the least subtle movie. Like look, uh, and, and I'm okay with that. Like I mean, no, I was saying there's probably a, a less subtle movie, but in the, listen, but yes, your boy, it's a very your boy movie. loves Wes Anderson, like, yeah. and it's it's like I think it's very much like if Wes 
it's almost as if Wes Anderson had made an action film. Like, and like if Wes Anderson did make an action film, it would be a lot more twee than this. But it's still like <laughs> everything is on beat, everything's so well constructed and very. We're not shown anything that we don't need to see. Like everything has relevance. Like I feel like the best example is the first scene where he gets coffee, which is just like, oh, this is just showing him living in the world. We're shown that so that we can see what it looks like when his world is out of whack later when he gets coffee after the job that job that's gone bad. Yeah, and I think it's that's very effective. And you know, Deborah is introduced in that scene too when she's walking by Ox. So that is supposed like, to be her. Oh yeah, she wears the same outfit later. She wears the same yeah. outfit. And if you listen, you can hear her singing the B-A-B-A, baby. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've I've seen this movie a lot. I've paid attention to it a lot. Um, (laughs) God, tequila. I I love tequila. Okay. I thought there was more to that than just you like the song. (laughs) I mean... And the scene. The scene. The the monologue in there. And I'm going to look this up to confirm it, but I think that... The guy in there, uh, the short dude who played the butcher, is actually a record exe- executive. I'm gonna look that up to confirm. That was okay. That was a very funny scene. Oh yeah, I, I you were like very excited for it, and I was like, "What's he excited for?" And it was very good. It was straight up. They he, they're they're doing an arms deal with corrupt cops, and the guy who's selling it to them is known as the butcher, and he's just this short little dude in um. <sighs> No, so I finally figured out. So Edgar Wright is the British sportscaster in the. He's the British sportscaster. He has a cameo as the sportscaster. Yes. Okay. <laughs> sorry, nice. sorry, were... not relevant. No, 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 no. I mean, like, <laughs> I guess relevant, but you were, you were. Relevant. I had I was, to know. You were fact checking. It was good. I was, I was kind of going on my stuff because you were like doing your fact check deep dive CSI shit, but like, if you got your, well, if you're most, doing your what worked and what didn't, if that's your normal thing, what's your, what's your what worked? What worked? Um, yeah. What really worked for me is the colors this time around. Okay. Um, especially the laundry scene, which I, I knew that was happening, and then that final, like, rumble scene with John Hamm, when, with the police lights and all of that. With the police lights and bright uh, rock playing in the background. Yeah. Also, I really like the when baby like officially breaks and he's like uh oh in the move diner move the car no when they're in the car doing the high oh when they're like move and baby he, and he and he crashes yeah. the uh, the rebar into um yeah and I also oh, just like into boy. Jamie Fox mm-hmm. like Jamie Fox's performance worked for me mm-hmm. like oh yeah that guy, that was good oh yeah just the that's some Oscar shit. Right there. And going back to the fashion closet corner, um, everyone had their own like distinct style in this movie, which yeah, is really neat. Yeah, that, that's true. Like they really were. They they didn't all have the same like we were heisters style. Like they all had their own distinct. Like, yeah, I mean, and there are a lot of movies like if you look at the Ocean's movies, they all have a distinct style, but it's still like within the same sort of family of like upper class criminal in a mm-hmm. way like white collar criminal mm-hmm. but then you look at this movie and it's but like this is no. all over the place it's yeah. just the head guy really with the suit and that's it everyone else is not like white collar criminal and they're right. all like wearing their but they all have their like um, clothes. it's it i mean Jamie it was Fox had, i really want that uh the jacket king, no the the king shirt that he's wearing like the card oh yeah that, was, that, <laughs> that is was awesome good. shirt oh. and then the girl wearing like the feather like or, it was a feather for like her jacket. Her her character's whole thing was like very. Aza Gonzalez. Oh. How do I describe this the character Darling. archetype though? I mean, There's she's specific... femme fatale. She's a femme fatale, but at the same time, she's but, almost like 
but she's also kind of the like the like um mafia boss's wife kind of character oh absolutely yeah uh, but she's like it's it's hard to really define her because she fills a couple of roles yeah she's she's awesome i got so pissed when she died before john ham like just from a from a how this movie could have done better from like a from like a feminism and like people of color standpoint is there could have been you know less people of color and women dying and more i felt like she could have had more of a role i think honestly i think the last scene could have worked with her alive and her driving the car and trying to kill him in revenge for uh for killing um for killing buddy Instead. I almost think that would have been better. I, think I actually better think it would have, yeah. If, yeah, if they had even flipped their roles completely and she was the one who, like, headed the, like, their, their couple. Mm-hmm. That's Especially said- if he was all, the one that was, like, really horny all on yeah. her. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, Asa Gonzalez, listen, she's, hmm. Hmm. I love Asa Gonzalez, but there were, it could have been done better. Okay, I can confirm who the butcher is. Who is it? Paul Williams, uh, who you probably know from writing the Rainbow Connection. Really, really, yeah. He's he's a he's a famous American composer, singer, songwriter, and mostly does like singing songwriting stuff. But you know, he also does some acting, and it's just really cool that. Am I supposed to believe you? Is this real? It's real. It's real. He also wrote "Touch" for Daft Punk on Random Access Memories. Like, who knew? Who yeah, that one? wrote a bunch of TV themes. Who knew the fuck that guy was at all? But there he I was. mean, well, you see, I've seen him pop up in everything. Like, I think he was one of the Parliament men in Princess Diaries 2, which is a deep cut, which is a deep pull, I know, but... Eh, it's an accept... It's like a deep pull, but it's like a... It's the right deep pull to make, I think. It's like a pull that you... That, that Everyone understands. Of course I would know. <laughs> Everyone empathizes with the desire to make that pull. I'm, I'm, you know... Sometimes he pulls too deep and it's not the person. It's but just his, someone his, he's his not whole pork monologue is so good. And it's yeah. even better when it's revealed that they are, in fact, corrupt cops who are selling cop weapons. I I did really like the like quick little where he says like if you like uh barbecued always say, if, like, you, if you prefer to smoke the smoking of the pork I recommend the I, if you prefer your pig smoked I recommend the picnic shoulder. That was it. And then it cuts to the APD logo the APD on the, logo on the, on the, on the crate. The, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, I think probably my favorite is like as we all know the whole pig can be cooked. From snout to trotter, the only thing that can't is the squeal. And it's uh, that entire monologue about pork just That's like. That's a good monologue. I, I I mean, as someone who loves basically all of the products that he mentioned guanciale, the pork chow, <laughs> or the serrano ham on the back leg. Yeah, it's weird knowing exactly what all of those things are. <laughs> I was like, wow, we've eaten way too many meats. Welcome to Le Chacoterie! <laughs> yeah, I, the whole time I was picturing, like, what are those. I don't know if there's a term for these, but those diagrams for, like, an animal that's... Yeah, no, like, like a, butcher's, yeah. a butcher's diagram. Yeah. yeah. Um, what if they had done, like, like set up the guns to look like on that? On top of what oh, they that printed out? so cool. Oh, that would have been good, actually. Uh, I like that the grenades were the, of course, pork sausages. Yeah, that was that was good. Mm. Um, and then they did actually use them where he threw it into the dude's car. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh. Which, it's kind of interesting that you say, like, everything was where it needs to be. Like, most of those types of guns that they showed, like, there were a lot of different types of guns that mm-hmm. showed up. Yeah. I don't know if that was part of that intentional thing, but... Yeah, but they, they, ended, up, they ended up using all of them at some point later yeah. in the movie. Like, the pistols, the automatic rifles, everything. There's one gun that I was like, I don't even know what the fuck this is. It's like, um, the one that... 
Darling has like two of, and she's like shooting the. Oh yeah, oh, when yeah, she yeah, right yeah. before she dies. It's got like the. What the it's fuck? like a double kind of. Like what the thing fuck name of that gun? I don't know. I don't know. What I think I, it might have been the Guanciale. I don't. I don't know like anything about guns because <laughs> okay. I grew up in the Northeast where people aren't as crazy for them. So then people start talking oh, about there are guns people, like their expected knowledge. There are people out there in yeah, in, in like pockets of the Northeast. Oh God, Pencil Tucky. <laughs> That's a thing. That's not a term I made up. Oh, I know. Yeah. You need to watch I, Tanya. She, oh, she, oh, she's in Oregon, and she, but she's in like rural Oregon, and she's like the redneck figure skater, basically. That's the last year movie, right? Yeah, that's the last year movie. That was a good movie. Oh, man. So many good movies in 2017. <sighs> yeah, that, well, you guys did say you watched all of the Oscar movies before. Yeah. All, of, all of the best picture um, movies. Yeah. yeah. How many is that, like eight? There were, I think there were... N- Either eight, and or then we 10. watched plus that because we watched Baby Driver, and, and like we watched a. Bunch there's a few of, of them that weren't. This yeah, was that weren't nominated picture. for Best Picture, but but I, I remember at the end of the year it was our mission and the beginning of. This is way better than that dumb Winston Churchill Bush movie. Uh, okay, I liked Darkest Hour for reasons. I didn't like it for Gary Oldman's performance. I liked it for the stylistic well, that's choices. Like the whole movie. But the stylistic choices that were made, like when they were. Like the you zoom, sound like old people. The zoom days. shots when they were bombing, um, when they were bombing France, and like the way that they put, yeah, yeah, portrayed yeah. like the landscape as a woman. Anyway, listen, I was just trying to say he it. makes some good choices sometimes. Does he? I liked the King's speech a lot. Whatever. The King's speech anyway. was better than this stuff. Yeah, so I, I think we did, if you're saying you do your what work and what didn't work, I think we did bring up that we thought maybe it could have been where Darling and, what was it, Buddy? Buddy, yeah. fucking Buddy, whatever. Jason and Monica. Where, <laughs> They're yeah, real when they were swished, that that might have worked um, the, better. The, the thing that I think didn't work for me was how readily he started killing people, and I, I get the intention there, but it felt like if they're doing this whole fantasy thing, and it's almost like, to borrow a phrase, good kid, mad city, mm-hmm. then he should have... It's The fantasy for him would have been to somehow get away without actually killing anybody. Yeah. I don't know. I No, feel free I to... Think, I think... I don't know. The, I think that the music re- really reflects his mental state there, though, because right there they're doing the uh, blur interlude, which is just the piano and guitar just, like, accelerating and going yeah. crazy and crazy. And, like, he's, like, really been pushed to the edge there. He's... This is someone who has threatened his... And he just needs to get out of the crime. This is someone who's threatened his foster father. This is someone who's, like, really threatened him. Has yeah. threatened his whole way of life. And, like, really made him rethink his entire thing. Because the point the point that he was making, like, to his foster father before was, like, he's like, hey, I'm not really getting my hands dirty. I'm just a driver. But, oh, wow, this actually does kind of go deep. Bats comes in and challenges his entire worldview. His entire thing is you can't just... Do a crim- do crime without not being be a, a criminal. criminal. Yeah. And it, like, challenges his entire worldview. And essentially breaks Buddy's ideal world. Or, not Buddy. Breaks uh, Baby's ideal world. Yeah. And, like, Bats is meant to be a direct foil to him. Everyone else is just willing to, like, kind of accept and work with him. Like, even the guy who plays, like, Shane and the Punisher and stuff, whose name I don't forget, who was only in the first heist... The um, guy John gets... Bernthal. John Bernthal in the first heist who like uh takes the sunglasses off. Oh of, yeah, what's even, his, I don't even remember his name. He doesn't have a name in it, I don't think. Like not the one that gets killed, the other one. Yeah. 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 Um he likes he doesn't even really challenge it so much. He's just like, I don't know if I trust you, but he doesn't like actively push him on it. Yeah, he's whereas, just like, alright, whatever. Drive the fucking car. Like, yeah, whereas Bats um really exists to push him on it. Yeah, the whole character is like 
yeah, all right, we get it. You drive a car, but like, like you can't just fucking sit here, dude. Like you're in it now. And and I think that that point is really demonstrated, especially when he's like, "Did you make me miss that shot?" When he um when Bats is like got a clear shot on the guy who's chasing them, and he, uh, baby turns works. out of the way, yeah. and it's like shows their fundamental disagreements, like. Baby's okay with like some light robbery and like because he's in debt, but he doesn't want any civilians to really get hurt. Yeah. And it's notable that whenever he does make attacks and things like that, whenever he does like use violence, he tries to do it away from civilians. Like and when he's like involved with civilians, he sort of like pushes them. Yeah, like away. even at the end he throws the old lady the purse when she's like cowering behind the like mm-hmm. and it, I, I think that's kind of like I feel this is gonna sound weird, but I feel like it's almost easier for the average viewer to empathize with robbery than than like violence. Oh, absolutely! Like, because it, it feels like if you like if you rob a bank but nobody is hurt, right? It's just like whatever. Like probably some executive I mean, loses a bunch of money down the line and it's all insured. But like actually hurting people, you is, can like trace the exact moment when he starts to really lose it to when he sees the guard in the pool of blood on the ground. In the first robbery, he doesn't see anyone get hurt because it all takes place inside. Totally right, yeah. Because he yeah. he never even goes in at all. He just waits in the car. Exactly. You know, restarts the music so that he can have his timing right. <laughs> I do love I do love using songs as timers. Um, that's one of my favorite things that people do in movies. Like uh, Inception, that was probably my favorite bit to the point where I set the um, I set that Edith Piaf song as my wake up alarm. Yeah. For a couple of years, Bethany hated it. <laughs> I mean, any song that you listen to and you wake up enough times, you start to hate it. Do, do yeah. you want to know what my uh, no. what my alarm is right now? Uh, You're gonna appreciate this. It's not a song. It's not a song. Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna play it. It's gonna be some fucking stupid. It's not stupid. It's You're gonna appreciate this. Okay, I think I know what it's gonna be. I don't think you know what it's no. gonna. Well, you might. I might have mentioned this in the group chat. No, you did. If you did, I don't remember. I'm, this is pure conjecture. All right, before you press play. I'm going to guess that it's it's a McElroy's thing. No. Oh, then I have no guesses. Ah, uh, fine. <laughs> fine. All right, I yeah. Hear that yeah it's going voice, I get like... I play a support. Actually like, angry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so it's, it's like your... It's like your danger reaction. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. Yeah, okay. That's pretty good. I'll, I'll, let, you, I'll let you have it. Um, okay, well... What I kept thinking about is the comment you made during the movie, Gabe, when you were like, he's just emulating. Yeah, he's like emulating he what he thinks he should be in that situation. He's clueless. Which why that's what Sports I thought was funny it. when you were like, um, well, I don't see why he would snap that fast. And I was like, maybe he's just emulating like what's around him, that kind of thing. But like, I feel like realistically, that's where it would stop. Like, that's where he'd be like, okay, fuck, like, you know what I mean? Well, you're thinking too rashly about it. Uh, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're thinking outside of the logic of the movie, because... That's what I... Th- exactly. <laughs> inside the logic of the movie, there is a direct line between harmless and harmful, and Baby is only willing to cross that line to protect the people he loves. I think that's what... I think that's what he Once does. they threaten... Is it Joe? Yeah, Joe. Joe. Once they threaten Joe, he's, like, a lot more willing to... Literally, what does he do? He... Is that what happened? He drove the rebar through him so that Yeah, it, he, he... Instead of reversing, he went forward so that it would impale Bats. In the moment, I couldn't tell if it was that or if his own gun, like, hit the glove box and nope. went through him. Okay, nope. it was the rebar. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so baby... It's not an accident. Baby... He well, literally no, I knew he bats. killed him on purpose, but yeah. I didn't know if it was which he did it with. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, he clearly is like... Kills him, 
I don't think he would have even wanted to like kill the other two if he didn't have to, but he kind of yeah. ended up having. I to. mean, he didn't. He didn't kill uh, Darling. The only other person he kills is uh, Buddy. That's true. She pretty much just got left to die. Yeah, the cops. I essentially the cops killed her. It yeah, the cops screen, killed right? her. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was on screen because she gets no, she gets shot in the chest, and then that's what like makes Buddy like there's another go crazy shot. in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the Dutch prog music foot ch- foot chase. In that movie, I can't tell when when shots are actually fail or not. Like everybody fucking gets shot, and then they, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, Buddy time. like glances at her like dead body at mm-hmm. one point, yeah. and he get like you see this like look on his face. Yeah, and then it's uh, set on the uh, newscast in the diner. Which, yeah, that part. Yeah. Oh man, I. love love John Hamm's low voice singing along to Marvin Kaye with the I'm never gonna give you up no I'm never ever gonna every quit. single movie or song in the movie is so deliberately chosen mm-hmm. to like and again it's not supposed to be like a subtle haha symbolism thing every time you're like oh yeah but you're not it's not bothersome somehow it's like mm-hmm. yeah this is cool and there are some people who would find it bothersome I know some people who did find it bothersome well they're no fun whoever they are oh she's kind of fun she just likes her her movies older I just don't know about that. <laughs> but, um... I, it worked very well for me. We're at about the 30-minute mark. Um, I was going to say one thing, but you kept going. Yeah, no, what did you want to say? Yeah. I don't remember it anymore, because you just... <laughs> <laughs> um, do we have... Oh, what I was going to say is that the end is really fitting, because he doesn't, like, get away with it, and he doesn't get locked up forever. He gets, like, pretty much, like standard like what you would get for all of that he gets tw- he gets 25 and with ideally five year parole. yeah you th- you know ideally he would end up with um what's her face but it's a long time in the slammer so she probably moves on with her well life. i mean here's the thing it's not super clear if that final sequence is real or not. oh no i don't yeah. think so i don't you don't think it is no because i mean because like, it fades older. it f- well it fades from the uh well i mean the thing is the five years that was the five-year parole yeah it would um, be like I mean, I don't see any reason where he wouldn't have gotten his parole because it looks like I don't. Yeah, he just just exists in prison. I was kind of expecting him to, when he got arrested, be like, "I was under duress," and they'd be like, "Oh, okay." (laughs) But like, I mean, that's that's kind of what they try to do by by having all the character witnesses up there. Yeah, that's close enough. And the that final sequence, it's the implicate. I think what really gives it away is not necessarily being real. Is well, first of all, it fades from grayscale, which had been a previous fantasy sequence of his. To um to color. Oh yeah, that is the f- there's like two instances of, of the, or three two or three instances of grayscale and they really like. Mm-hmm. So that has to be like. And then um. Oh. The, and then of course there's the rainbow in the background with no clouds in the sky, so it's just like it looks like it's could be. But I do love that they end on the Paul Simon Baby Driver song. So <laughs> I didn't know that song existed before watching the movie, and I feel like. It's it's what the it's what it's named after. I know, but it was a cool surprise. <laughs> oh yeah, I think the thing that worked for me in this movie least was the uh, Sky Ferreira mom flashbacks. Like, I feel like all we really needed to know was that he got an. Yeah, it could have been. It would have been just fine with just the car crash. Like, like and like the idea that you di- we didn't need to see it. Like, first of all. Using the dead mom as a motivator is the most like shonen anime cheap plot. Yeah, and and I don't know. You could have it explains like why he still has iPods and things like that because it was a gift from his mother. But it's it's cheap, I think. Especially because it it's when you when you compare it to shonen anime, I think that's really accurate because the problem when they do it is like it's a trope of like 
character whose motivation is being traumatized but never encounters obstacles because of the trauma. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's a little... I feel like that's not quite true of him. I think he's so protective of Joe because he's similar, you know. And and I guess he does directly encounter obstacles. Like, his tinnitus is literally a subject of that trauma. And... Yeah, but the but, whole thing but, is... But like, I guess the trauma from his mother being, you know, in an abusive relationship and, you know, literally dying in front of him, too. And also, the tinnitus doesn't... The whole thing is like, oh yeah, he's got tinnitus, but he's totally fine. Like he just it's like a superpower gets him. everything. Yeah, it, it only like becomes his weakness when he uh, gets shot behind when, the yeah when he's shot system. right next to his eardrums. Those that couple of times was that supposed to be that he knew about the tinnitus? Or like that would probably deafen anybody, right? It would deafen anybody, but it would hit him especially hard with that's tinnitus. True. I think, or at least I think that's what the implication is. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but then you did point out that what is it? Was it which one he said with the car speaker that was me yeah yeah which is i think is a cool callback to you know his deaf foster father feeling the music through the bass yeah it's i mean and that's a thing that you can do like if you want to have better sound is like touch the what's giving the sound away like i used to tune my bass by putting it against a wooden wall so that i could then lean against the wall yeah just and then yeah lean against the wall so that i could get a better sound out of it huh yeah this was the electric bass so that's okay this is a john's bass corner for the night Uh. (laughs) John John plays both the the really confusing thing when John talks about playing bass is that John plays both instruments that are called bass, <laughs> so I never know which one he means. They're like the same until, thing, though. Well, they they are One's close electric. to the same thing. The big difference is that one is bowed and doesn't have frets. One is like eight hundred times bigger. That's true. But the everything else about it's like the, the same. A lot of the technique is very similar. Really? Well, yeah, it's the same tuning. I, I'm just surprised that the technique is similar since, like you said, it's bowed and, and things like that. Well, if you're, if you're playing, let me put it this way. If you're playing it, if you're playing it when it comes to jazz or pop or rock, it's the same technique because you're just Fair doing enough. pizzicato. Yeah. I guess I know you more can. about strings than most people do. Yeah. So I guess I'm like, oh, that's like the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you played flute. Well, I have violin. She, oh. she did I played Suzuki violin for a while. From, from like, how old? How old like were you when you started? Yeah. <laughs> till, till graduating high school, right? Yeah, I took two two years of lessons in college, but yeah. Oh, so that oh, that's that's a lot. That's like fifteen years of yeah. violin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why do people? Why is it that everyone who plays violin was like forced to start from age five? Suzuki. Yeah. Suzuki. Like so. Are you familiar with? Suzuki? I don't know if our viewers care about this, but <laughs> basically, what happens is you're young enough that you start listening to the music first. And then, like, you learn to play by ear, basically. Like, mm-hmm. you don't really learn how to read music until, like, you figure out how your instrument works. And then they start showing you, this is what it looks like on in the book. And, I mean, I started reading music, like, right afterwards. And, but... like, the importance of learning to play by ear is huge, I think. I, mm-hmm. I think It a translates, lot of, like, way across the board. Like, a lot of the reason I was able to pick up bass pick up the upright bass in high school is because I had learned to play the electric bass by ear already, and they were like, you're able to correct yourself really quickly. I'm like, well, first of all, I learned to read music when I had piano lessons as a little kid, even if I can't really play piano now. Second of all, I'm just used to making sure that everything sounds right. Oh, y'all want to watch this sick segue, because I agree with you, because music is like built into your fucking brain, which is why I think it works so well in the movie. Yes! There you yeah. go, because you just instinctively like react to the mood of music. And then you're like, oh, also the lyrics match. Holy shit. That's the whole soundtrack. But I think you were on your what didn't work thing, and that was a what worked. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think we both had a what didn't work. So I guess if if it goes around, what, what's, what do you got? What? No, everything worked. Everything worked everything for you? Everything worked? <laughs> I mean, that is your favorite film of 2017, isn't it? 
thought you said it was... <laughs> I think Tour de Pharmacy was the meme answer. <laughs> I don't know, man. I need to watch it again. I, I, I don't know. What didn't work? I mean, I know I acknowledge what you guys think didn't work, but I can't come up with my own, like, separate thing because I just like it that much. I'm sure, I mean, there's problems with it, obviously, but... But it's, like, one of our favorites. I can find them. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I can really think of anything else explicitly that I would even say didn't work. Um, More Killer Mike. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I have such a soft spot for Killer Mike, and it was cool that Killer Mike got the cameo, and then they were listening to Run the Jewels briefly later, which was like also was like the one song that didn't really have to do that much with what was going on, Mm -hmm. which is clearly just like, oh, we're gonna double down on the cameo, and we're gonna shout out to it. I don't know. It really felt like Atlanta. I was like, yeah, yeah. driving. Well, I mean, and it was also cool. Like when he turns on the classic rock radio station, it is ninety-seven one The River. Yeah. (laughs) Is ninety seven one like a, a classic rock station? Yeah, that's what we were that's what we were listening to uh, when we were going to pick food? up the Chinese food. Oh yeah. shit! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I, what, what was it? <laughs> oh god! No, we were on one hundred five seven first. And Evanescence started playing. Oh, and he's like, oh, I can't no. fucking believe this. And he I just can't fucking that. believe that Evanescence is on the radio right now. That's what. I... And we looked this up. When do you think Evanescence's most recent album was? Two thousand seven. Two thousand seventeen. They released the album last year. So it was a new song. I don't think it was. I think it it could have been. It wasn't Bring Me to Life. Well, actually, we specifically were like, holy shit, it's not Bring Me to Life. (laughs) But this is clearly Amy Lee. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Amy Lee is like too good to be in that band. (laughs) Yeah, well, I've heard like some of her like solo feature stuff. She still sounds like the girl from Evanescence, but like. She's never going to live that down. Yeah. I don't. Are. Are we done? I think if if nothing didn't work, then I guess we're done. <laughs> okay, so so oh, we have to rate it now. We have to rate it. What's our rating system for this one? Do you not have a standard one? Well, it's it's, it's always it's always it's like out of five. How many? Out of four. Uh, how many out of five iPods? <laughs> That's really good. I give it. I give it. Four functioning iPods and a busted iPod. So four and a half out of five. That's good. <laughs> okay. Three pink glittery iPods and two like sleek black iPods. So so five? Yeah. <laughs> um I think it I think if I have to Yeah, four and a half pretty much stands up. Like I said, it wasn't the movie I would have sought out, so it's like not it's it's not something that I'm like a huge sucker for and intrinsically overrate, and so I have to be completely honest and say I wouldn't agree with the five, but four and a half, yeah, that's really good. Yeah. No, I'm I'm glad we had someone who's not like super horny super, for it. Well, just into like artsy movies in general, which is like well, our I mean, I would say you're into that's like my thing. Uh, it's, like, it's like reflexive and stylistic, but you're also like not super into like that action or crime thing either, are you? Not particularly. I mean, I can appreciate it where it works, but I'm I'm. I'm so, I, there are certain things that I'm definitively a sucker for. Like, we were talking earlier about how, ooh, and this movie is on your shelf. I think if I had to say my favorite movie, it would probably be Get Out at this point, which is a completely different sort of movie. It's like movies that you're like, what the fuck is happening? This, this is all in my head. This is perfect because I was actually going to say, introduce a thing that's like, where we could ask our guests, like, if you had to buy one movie. Oh. If, like, if you, if you could only one, own one movie for the rest of your life, what uh, would that movie be? I don't... If I had to own one movie, I don't, that's, that's an incredibly difficult, I think, you know what I would do? I would, I would ask, why are you laughing? No, I'm just 
here's I don't I don't want to default and say some movie that I just already really like because that seems like I'm just a stan. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna say I would I would list like a few of my favorite movies for people that I trusted, get their recommendation, and just go in blind. Mm, nice. And what would those favorite movies be? Oh yeah, so I knew you were gonna fucking ask me that. So I have that now I have to think more because like I said, I honestly, two movies that I watched this year, Get Out and Ladybird, both rank. Um and I'll give I'll give I'll give a third, and it's gonna be. Man, I might just say Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Wow, I maybe no, I, that I, was I can't that it. was like my favorite movie when I was like fifteen, and now I feel like if I rewatch, I would like it more. Yeah, I think also it I just up. don't want to sit here for five minutes going, "Let me get a." So there's probably a much better answer. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get a boneless comic book movie? Yeah, well that wow that's you just described it pretty much. <laughs> it's yeah. Man. Yeah. All right. I think that's about it. Um, home viewing is part of the Pocket Podcast Network. There are other great podcasts on this network, like Avocado Toast or Time Zones Are Hard or Space Mart. So go oh, check and out. don't don't forget our boys, the Organ Machines, who let us use their music. Yes. Really? Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, we use the uh, guitar solo part of Oil Waves oh, for the intro and outro. And Chris was on the podcast. I don't know if you <laughs> mentioned that in the episode he was in. He hasn't been on it yet, no. but he will be. Oh, you haven't recorded that one? No, no. No, he hasn't He hasn't decided what he's going to come in for. And he hasn't... Our friend Chris, who's a member of the Organ Machines, and you know we got permission from him and Alex and Derek to use our to use their music. And yeah, stuff. Here, you but, can do your outro, and I'll ask yeah. him at the same time. Yeah, but well, no, this is this is fun for our podcast listeners too because he has been saying he's going to buy us uh, a movie that starts with B so that he can make us watch one watch a movie that he likes and make us review it for the podcast now that we're in the bees yeah he was he was threatening a bunch of weird ones he said B movie but then he was like that's that I'm not even gonna pretend that one I would be over the moon if he picked Beethoven like <laughs> but he better come up with it soon because... okay yeah what's our, oh what's our next movie John our next movie let me go look on the let me go look oh, on the shelf I want to know this too that's gonna come through great, dude. It's my drum roll. Is it gonna sound great? Oh shit! Another another good 2017 film. Oh, this rolls out Beethoven. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, John? It's the big sick. Oh, uh, that's a goodie. Immigrant stories. Immigrant stories. Immigrant True stories. immigrant stories. You're right. Isn't it like pretty much just? It's largely based. It's it's a fictionalized account, but it's based on. The actual story of how Kamal Nanjiani met his wife. Which is wild that that's a real story. Yeah. Absolutely. So look forward to that. All right. Uh, thanks for being on the podcast, Gabe. Yeah. Great to be here. All right. Bye, everybody. It's never how you knew it. Nobody looks at it that way but you. Oh, we all saw drowning, but you were the one with the blood on your hands. Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket.